Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The Nismo Countdown to Green on RadioLeMans.com with Nismo. Eat, sleep, race, repeat. Eat, sleep, race, repeat. How are we going to do it now? Greetings, everybody. A warm welcome to RadioLeMond.com's coverage of the seventh and penultimate round of the 2015 World Endurance Championship. My name's Johnny Palmer, and it'll be myself and Paul Truswell to take you through the next six hours. We're in Shanghai, as I say, for round seven of eight of what has been an up-and-down season for various teams. A wonderful start for Audi. And it's kind of gone a little bit wrong now because Porsche cannot stop winning. And it looks very much like possibly a Porsche 919 hybrid that's going to win this race again. However, there is going to be a little bit of a curved ball thrown to the drivers because this will be the first session of the weekend held in very damp conditions, Paul Truswell. And we're just uh, trying to work out whether there were any sessions earlier on the weekend held in even damp conditions. It would appear not. So this is going to be a launch into the unknown for all of the teams and drivers. It, it is, yeah. That's uh, going to keep them on their toes a little bit, for sure. Um I, I mean, I must admit, I've, uh, we, we say we're in Shanghai. Uh, the cars are in Shanghai. We're not, but um, sadly. Um, so, uh, but we didn't uh, actually keep track of all of the free practice sessions. But as far as I know, uh, conditions were dry, overcast. It was sunny for qualifying, and uh, it was actually quite a nice day on Saturday. Um, the forecast for today is for drizzle, certainly for the first part of the race, and then we'll see what happens um, in the second part of the race. But uh, it does has been declared a wet race, uh, and we've also been notified that the... Um, race will start behind the safety car um so in effect if you were watching what happened at fuji it will be the same thing um the five minute board will be given uh, at 10:51 local time which is just under 20 minutes from now um and then we'll have um no formation lap but the cars moving off the uh, echelon formation into which they uh, are currently, well, they've now been pushed uh, or formed into. Uh, and as I say, no formation lap. The safety car will pull away and then they'll be waved off echelon formation uh, into the race behind the safety car. And then what we don't know is quite how long the safety car will be remaining out for. Um, but hopefully not too long. The rain is not as bad as it could be. Uh, (laughs) It rained a lot in Fuji, didn't Uh, it? Yes, Uh, although not as much this year as it did two years ago. Indeed. Um, It's a very good point. The the bizarre thing is that because of the way that the the media centre and uh, then there's another uh, building which goes across the track is there are two dry patches across the start-finish line, um, which, which are those dry... Uh, which are those patches which have been kept dry by the umbrella of the uh, media centres um, overhead. So, um, so that that won't catch them out because it's in a straight line, but uh, it does mean that sometimes you look at the track through the TV screens uh, and you see that it's bone dry. So, as I say, coming into this race, well, it's been the story of the number 17 Porsche of Timo Bernhardt, Mark Webber, 
and Brendan Hartley. They won in Fuji. They also won in Austin, Texas, and at the Nürburgring towards the end of August. It was Porsche who won at Le Mans, of course, but not with the 17, with the 19 car. And then, don't forget, we've had two victories for the number seven Audi Sport Team Yerst car, the uh, R18. So actually, heading into this round, very close on points. And if you were an alien landing down into World Endurance Championship land, this weekend, you think, wow, this is a really close championship, but it's all about where the momentum is right now, and the pendulum is definitely swinging in the direction of Porsche, not necessarily the 17, although it is that car that starts on pole position for this race. Um, and we've seen from both of them that uh, it is, there is going to be team orders, because uh, one of the um, I don't know the things that were revealed, teams, teams have to reveal their hand at some point during the season. Um, there's very much, we were saying earlier on, there's very much two parts to the season. There's the, the pre-Le Mans races, then there's Le Mans, and then there's the post-Le Mans races. And uh, pre-Le Mans, you sort of say, oh, teams are playing uh, to get their car in and sorted out for Le Mans. Uh, then there's the Le Mans that everybody cares about. And then you get this post-Le Mans period where all of a sudden people are interested in the championship. Uh, and that's what we saw in Fuji when the 17 and the 18 cars were deliberately swapped around by Porsche in order to score maximum points for 17. Yeah. And the Audis, 7 and 8, were also swapped around in order that the number 7 points could score maximum points over in the Drivers' Championship. But we were also having a little natter ahead of this broadcast to say that almost car setup is going that way as well. You get three different versions of the car through the year. The one on the build-up to Le Mans, when you're trying to get into the best position for the key race, you also turn up with a special setup for your car at Le Mans itself, and then there's almost a post-Le Mans car too. And that caught Audi a little bit by surprise, the extent to which Porsche's post-Le Mans car, the one they brought out at the Nürburgring, uh, I wouldn't say it was a completely different car. The, the car itself was the same car, but it had a very different aero package on it, uh, and that was a very high a very efficient but high downforce um, aerodynamic setup on the Porsche. And that's really what's pushed the Porsche ahead is its ability to uh, be very, very rapid. And even though I don't think any of the races since Le Mans has been fault-free from Porsche, uh, they've had various penalties, they've had various little niggles, but they haven't been sufficiently um, handicapped by any of those to get to to stop uh, them from winning the races and to enable Audi to win any of the races. So uh, it's been that post-Le uh, Mans-Porsche setup which has really taken them the step forward. Audi has had a step forward as well because they've also... Um, had the uh, had a new aero package which was brought out in Fuji, but it's still not giving them as much downforce as Porsche is getting. Uh, and although it means that the Audi is fast in a straight line, it's completely completely contra to what we've expected in the past, where Audi has generally been the grippier car, the one that's been generating all the downforce. But now it's the Porsche that's uh, generating the downforce. The Audi is fast in a straight line, but then loses out. Um, well, everywhere else, really. Um, it's, it loses out through the fast corners because it doesn't have enough downforce, but it also loses out out of the slow corners. It's not in the slow corner. That's pretty much constant. But out of the slow corner, that's where the Porsche is able to really punch uh, with its extra hybrid power uh, and get the advantage out of those slow corners. I think some of us had thought Audi had turned the corner after they had a difficult year last year against Toyota in 14, and they came out of the blocks pretty well with 
two victories with the number seven car. Number seven's never been off the podium, interestingly. First, first, third, third, second, third. But the problem is when it's in third position, invariably it's been beaten by both the Porsches. So when you clump all the points together as far as the team's championship is concerned, you're looking at a 53-point deficit from Porsche to Audi. And it's only a point, as I say, 129 points in the World Endurance Drivers' Championship from Bernhardt, Weber and Hartley, Back to Lotra, Fessler and Trellieway, who are on 128 points. It's then 95.5 points for Mark Lieb, Roman Dumas and Neil Yarny. And 79 points for the other Audi of Loic Duval, Lucas Degrassi and Oli Jarvis. Yes, and what that means is that the Drivers' Championship can't really be settled uh, at Shanghai in this race. But the Manufacturers' Championship almost certainly will be settled as a result of this race. Um, all Porsche has to do is to get one of its cars in the first two places. Now, under normal circumstances, that would possibly sound like a tall order. But if now Audi can make it a 1-2, then they can make the championship go down to the next round. Um, but if uh, a Porsche finishes, as I say, either first or second, then they will win the Manufacturers' Championship. Let's talk a little bit about the circuit, Shanghai, the venue, and it is a 16-turn track. Uh, Length is 5.4 kilometres, that's 3.388 miles, as I say, 16 turns, and that very, very long, I'll say back straight, it's kind of quite close to the end of the lap, really, but... Over a mile long or over a kilometre long? I can never remember that Over straight. a kilometre. Over a kilometre long. And a classic place to, uh, to to be able to draft your opponents. And then into that turn 14, heavy braking, tight hairpin, which actually opens up a little bit, uh, down into, well, they count the, the kink after the hairpin as another corner, don't they? That's 15. And then 16 is the left-hander that leads you back onto the start and finish line under those huge, great, Buildings that are, is that race control? The, uh, the bridge one, is, one is the media centre, and I think the other one is race control. Um, but uh, yeah, they, they they certainly have never been to Shanghai, I must admit. Put it on my list of places to visit, but uh, sadly, uh, not, it's not yet. happened yet. Um, it hasn't happened, but uh, no, I mean, it is uh, certainly one of the state of the art uh, uh, facilities, and uh, yeah, it, it is a bit different. Um, it's not a circuit that Audi is looking forward to as much as they were looking forward to Fuji. Um, so uh, we'll see how they get on uh, once the race starts. Of course, because of the wet weather, um, then I won't say all bets are off, but certainly the form of qualifying is uh, definitely um, going to be upset. Um and what we saw in Fuji in the wet conditions was the Audis certainly performing a little bit better. However, because of the dry practice, this is all going to be a step into the unknown for everybody. Um, and it's um, well, be interesting to see how the Toyotas perform as well, because they were doing, going well in, uh, in Fuji. So I think uh, it will be interesting to see how they deal with it um, and uh, a good race in prospect. Need to mention LMP2, because we left Fuji with... Well, uh, some bad memories, I suppose, of, of a certain bit of contact which had been bubbling up between G-Drive and KCMG for a lot of the race, really, and it all came to a, a head. Uh, but judged this weekend that Richard Bradley was at fault in the whole incident. We perhaps shouldn't uh, dwell on this an awful lot, but 
the data would show that he, he braked for that corner a little earlier than he would normally do. Uh, well, yes, and uh, he has been um, offered. Not Do you offer a reprimand? He's been given a reprimand. Um, it wasn't a case of it being offered. It, uh, there was no option about uh, it being taken or not. But, uh, yes, so he has been reprimanded by the FIA for his actions. Um, and that was um, following uh, a kind of a hiccup because initially uh, the KCMG car was found at fault. Um, but then... Um, that was um, countered by evidence that KCMG themselves provided. Uh, that was all carefully considered. And I think the good thing there that the FIA did was not to make any knee-jerk reaction. They responded to it slowly and carefully, uh, made their announcement at the beginning uh, of this weekend. Um, and as I say, that was to reprimand uh, Richard Bradley for his actions in the KCMG car. Uh, but I think the difficulty was that there were three different but although they were not linked to isolated incidents between G-Drive cars, both of them, 26 and 28, uh, yes, 26 and 28, uh, and the KCMG car. And that made it look like, as you were suggesting, Johnny, something that was kind of bubbling up um, in, into something which um, developed during the, uh, during the race itself. But hopefully this weekend, it's going to be a clean race between them all. Uh, they'll all be on, I suspect, it'll be one of those occasions where they will all be on best behaviour and uh, we'll, we won't have a repeat of what we saw at, uh, at Fuji. Let me get this exactly correct because it is um, a, a delicate area. The data showed that he braked after he was hit and they deemed that he had changed up and that, that had slowed the car. Right, it was changing the it was changing gear, not braking. Not the actual braking, yeah. but um, yeah, uh, Bradley reprimanded. I think is the crux of the matter. Um, Yakiman had carried more speed off the corner, and he ran into the back of Bradley, who was travelling slower. There we go. But uh, what we want is for that that all to be forgotten, because it's still a very close battle for the LMP2 honours. G Drive with their two cars, KCMG with one car, and they have. Uh, altered the driver lineup at certain points through the year. So Matthew Howson and Richard Bradley are the top scorers within KM, KCMG with 122 points. And the G Drive one car of Rusinov, uh, Julian Canal, and Sam Bird are 134 points. The other G Drive car, by the way, in third position on 119. So it's 113 plays 122 with 119. Just a little bit out of it, but still very much in the mix. It's going to be one of those three cars for the championship. And are we going to see, do you think, not exactly team orders, but all of the uh, resources going towards the Rusinov Canal and Bird car, do you think? Um, yes, I think so, as far as uh, G-Drive is concerned. Um, and I think what you were saying about last week, no, not last weekend, three weeks ago being forgotten, absolutely right. And I think that's one of the, I don't know, the racing drivers I've met um, and I have met a few, although not as many as some of my co-commentators, but they do have this ability to push those things into the back of their mind. Um, you know, they, they, they have an, an amazing selective memory where they can say, OK, these things I'm not going to consider anymore. I'm just going to focus on this race. Uh, and I suspect that's what's going to happen. The other thing to mention in P2, of course, is we've got an extra car running in P2 in the shape of the Pegasus Racing Morgan with its Nissan engine. Uh, it's racing as car number 29. Um, and Alex Brundle, for whatever reason, I just don't know, 
he was he was offered the drive here, but he just decided not to take it. Um, and uh, rather than be with you, Johnny, or me, um, he's chosen to be in Shanghai driving that Pegasus racing car alongside David Cheng and Ho Pi Tung. So uh, that's an additional car to look out for. Not uh, to the championship as such, because Pegasus Racing, of course, were at Le Mans as well, but uh, they haven't been at any of the post-Le Mans races, but they are back uh, for the Shanghai round with, uh, appropriately enough, two... Uh, drivers of China, with Chinese connections, strong Chinese connections. I won't call them Chinese drivers. Uh, Hopi Tung is uh, of Dutch-Chinese dual nationality. Uh, David Cheng is uh, a USA driver with Canadian and Chinese connections. Uh, and as I say, joined by Alex Brundle in that car. I can't understand it myself. I mean, he's, you know, he's always been such a lovely chap and I thought he enjoyed his experiences with you and I and, and well, Bruce Jones. I'm, Why on earth do you want to go and drive a car after that? I'm sure the responsible adult will be taking due notice and uh, making up. I mean, this is the time of year when she makes her Christmas card list. Absolutely. You know? she, she, so Alex may find that um, he's one Christmas card short of a full mantelpiece. <laughs> Okay, we are halfway through the countdown to green. Uh, about time, therefore, that we gave you the grid for this six hours of Shanghai, as I say, the seventh round of the 2015 championship. So once again, it's the number 17 Porsche that makes it onto pole position. Brendan Hartley and Mark Webber were friends in the car yesterday. I'm sure the same couldn't be said during the rugby last night, but that will all be forgotten as well as they head into the race. The car did a 142.719 as an average, and that sees the 17 car then to the right-hand side of the grid. The driver's right is pole position spot. It starts alongside the sister car of number 18, Another 919 hybrid. Mark Lieb will start that car. Brendan Hartley, by the way, will start the 17. Eight and seven on the second row. They're two Audi R18s, and it'll be Ollie Jarvis in the number eight car to start alongside teammate Andre Lotra in the seven. Just a point separates car 17 from car seven, I'll remind you. And it's an all Toyota third row with in the number one car Anthony Davidson. So he starts fifth alongside Mike Conway. In the number two car, starting in sixth position. Rebellion Racing come next with their 13 machine. The Rebellion R1, it's Dominic Kreiharmer to start alongside Matthias Besch, his teammate in the 12 Rebellion Racing car. And then the team by Collis CLM starts ninth position. That's car number four with Pierre Kaffer to take the opening stint. The first of the LMP2 cars is from G-Drive Racing. Number 26, Sam Bird to start from 10th position. Ahead of, in the KCMG number 47 car in 11th position, Nick Tandy. And alongside, it'll be Pipo Dirani in the G-Drive number 28. 43 and 36 on the 7th row, so 13th and 14th. Oli Webb will start the Team Saad Morand car, number 43, alongside the 36 Signutech Alpine of Nelson Pantziatici. 8th row cars, 30 and 42. That's Ryan DL in the Extreme Speed Motorsports uh, machine, number 30, alongside the Stracker Racing uh, the Stracker Racing Gibson, as it is now, the O15S. Danny Watts to start the 42 car. Alex Brundle comes next in the Pegasus Racing number 29 machine. He was our friend. He kind of still is our friend, but he's racing this weekend alongside the number 31 of 
uh, Johannes van Overbeck. So it's 29 and 31 on the ninth row. The tenth row is where we see the first of the GT cars. Tony Villander starting the A, of course, the number 51 Ferrari alongside the sister car of Davide Rigon, number 51 and 71 on the tenth row. 99 and 92 come next. Alex McDowell and his Aston Martin racing Vantage alongside the first of the Porsches, and it'll be Fred Makoviki to start number 92. Up next, it's the 91 and 97 cars. That's Richard Leitz alongside Darren Turner. So uh, Porsche versus an Aston on the 12th row. The 13th row, numbers 98 and 96. Pedro Lamy in his Aston Martin alongside Stuart Hall in the number 96 car starting in 26th position. So an all-Aston 13th row. 14th row is the lone Labra competition Corvette, Paolo Roberti to start the number 50 car alongside Emmanuel Collard in the 83 Ferrari in 28th position. Three more cars to go. SMP Racing starting 29th and it's Victor Scheitar to take the opening stint in the SMP Racing Ferrari number 72 alongside Pat Long in the 77 Porsche from Dempsey Proton Racing. And the final car on the grid to start in 31st position is number 88, the Abu Dhabi Proton Racing Porsche started by Christian Reed. So, a tantalising lineup. That's the normal amount of cars we have, is it not? 31? It, it, it is, yes, because the addition of the Pegasus um, has been compensated for, um, so that's not a very good use of my prepositions, uh, by the absence of the number 95, Aston Martin, um, the car that uh, usually runs in the Pro Class, but is uh, called the Dane Train, um, which uh, has. Um, withdrawn from this race and possibly Bahrain as well. They haven't uh, officially said that they've uh, that they're not going to be playing in Bahrain, but they probably won't. Um, it would seem that the team, which is kind of separate, has a, has a uh, different team manager um, from the uh, AMR team cars, and um, between them, they've decided that they don't want to. Uh, uh, run uh, purely because they feel that the way that the balance of performance has uh, affected them uh, doesn't give them any chance at all. We have seen that the Aston Martins haven't quite been on the pace and it's it's all due to that old, old um, problem about balance of performance. But uh, anyway, so that's the car that we're missing out of the uh, GTE Pro class. Uh, so we've got four Aston Martins in the race, still quite enough, um, with the two running in the Pro class and two running in the AM class. And as far as the World Endurance Cup for GT drivers is concerned, Richard Leitz leads that on his own by seven points because, well, he's had the most driving action, I would assume, in the Porsche team Manti uh, car. So having had uh, two second places to kick off the season at Silverstone and Spa, a seventh place at Le Mans, but then two wins back-to-back at Nürburgring and Cota and a fourth place in Fuji gives him 110 points. He leads, therefore, by seven from Davide Rigon and James Collado. They are co-drivers in the number 71 AF Corsa Ferrari. 93.5 points for Jimmy Bruni and Tony Wielander in the other Ferrari. And that's the machine that starts on pole position for this race, number 51. Then you see Michael Christensen and Fred Makoviki, who are Leeds, Leeds teammates, 92 and 78. Uh, so Leeds at the moment leading, but the Ferrari's bearing down on him. And of course, it's it's been a Ferrari every time in the World Endurance Championship, hasn't it? Across the board winning, I believe no porsche's won porsche certainly won at quota and um, no sorry i mean the actual championship oh i see what you mean i i think ferrari have they're the only team that have won the world endurance championship since it's been the world oh, endurance championship uh yeah um, <laughs> i'm really asking you now yeah, yes I, <laughs> I think you're right um 
they've certainly been the dominant car. And even though no, the four five eight yes, is you are right, yeah, the four five eight's a, an aged piece of machinery and to be Relatively, replaced by yes. the the, the four eight eight. Uh, next year but nevertheless although they're not leading the championship right now they do have two bullets in the gun you could say second and third and Richard Leitz on his own there actually got to sit in one this year um, one, one of the new cars not, no no a, a, a 458 four, um, yeah it's not a race car just an ordinary <laughs> just an ordinary road car um, which uh, arrived outside my house which was rather nice lovely uh, didn't get to drive it but um, I did get an offer but uh, didn't quite come out there's too much else going on in my life but uh, no it, it is uh, <laughs> certainly a, um, an, an excellent car and um, yeah if anybody wants to lend me one then um, I'm quite happy but we love Porsches and Aston Martins and Corvettes and I, uh, we I, love GT racing don't we Johnny I, really? I do yeah uh, absolutely I think uh, I mean it does uh, it does exactly what's required uh, it's by no means just a grid filler, but it is uh, an intrinsic part of the World Endurance Championship. And, and without, uh, you know, without those uh, GT cars, it would be a poorer place. I mean, we've, we've spoken about whether uh, the World Endurance Championship should be solely for prototypes, but no, uh, no, 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 comes the uh, very um, loud reply. And uh, no, I think it's it's a good thing to have them uh, to have them out there. I think you're always guaranteed a super close race because even sometimes five hours into it, you suddenly our camera uh, uh, feed will sometimes home in on a on a race involving still four GT cars, and you think they can't all still be on the same lap, and they are because the driver lineup is so delicately poised as well, uh, particularly within um, GT amateur. So the flag is about to wave. Green flag, yes, it will. It will be a green flag. Henri Pescarolo is the uh, the Grand Marshal, um, as the WEC now now uh, features, uh, and he will be waving the green flag. And we, um, I don't think we really kind of pointed this out at the uh, last race at Fuji, but you have this uh, evocative effect now of uh, a race starting, as it were, behind, not uh, off a straight line, but uh, a race starting off echelon formation, because uh, the time starts ticking from the moment that the uh, the safety car pulls away and um it as i say pulls off the uh um pulls off the line and then the cars move off in echelon formation um with it um so yeah it's sort of I mean, yeah running it don't have to have the drivers running across the road but at least you have uh, the cars moving off in echelon formation and it does look rather grim as far as the sky is concerned. There is drizzle around, lots of umbrellas open on the grid. But the crowd, nevertheless, getting into the spirit. We are heading towards 11am local time. This race will run from 11 through till 5. Hope you've enjoyed our countdown to green. Stay with us for the all-important race in just a few moments. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.